Welcome back to the Transforming Cities podcast. Each episode highlights ideas around rethinking the way cities are evolving. We discuss planning, design, technology, development, and other fields that contribute to the urban experience. You know, I'd help the the school where I worked, you know, rewrite their mission statement. I'd worked on two other projects where a, a new business was trying to figure out its vision, and I sort of helped them with a copywriting piece of that. And so Mark was like, well, we need a vision statement of some kind. And we started chatting about that a lot. And, and that turned into a manifesto for Stanley Marketplace, which we call the Stanifesto. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it made sense. It worked. Yeah. And that was my first real contribution to the project. On this episode, I'm speaking with Bryant Palmer, founder and chief storyteller at Oh Hey Creative, a boutique marketing and communications firm that specializes in opening food halls and telling the stories of small businesses. Bryant helps run Stanley Marketplace and Broadway Market and is now working on other food projects in Golden, Colorado and Minneapolis, Minnesota. A few quick notes before today's episode. If you enjoy the podcast, please share this track and others on your social accounts to people you think would be interested. Also, please rate it on iTunes or other platforms where you listen. This is how we grow and it's much appreciated. This podcast is driven by Authentic Form and Function. We're a design and technology studio working on tools and platforms to improve the urban space. You can find out more online at AuthenticFF.com. And finally, we want to hear from you. Email your feedback and ideas of who else we should speak with to podcast at AuthenticFF.com. I'm your host, Chris Arnold. Let's jump right in. Brian, thanks for joining me today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. So you found yourself in recent years being the founder of a go-to creative marketing shop for new food halls. We'll discuss that in more detail in a bit. Okay. But first, take us back a few decades because I know you weren't originally in that space. That's true. So tell me about that. Sure. My beginnings, well, my first career was in education. So I grew up in a really small town in Alabama, college in Tennessee, and then immediately went to New York City. First for grad school, but I knew I wanted to be in that great metropolis, um, stayed there for a while. And yeah, I started off as a teacher when I was 24 in New York City in a great little school and and did that for a really long time. But it's New York City, so you got to hustle, especially when you're in your early 20s. So I had a little freelance writing business on the side Mm. that helped supplement my income and fulfill some of my creative interests. And and that morphed over the years into more of what I'm doing right now. Mm. I have to admit, I when we first connected in Denver, you mm-hmm. know, you, you've been doing your thing in Denver for a while now. I've been doing my thing in Denver. After we met and we were planning this podcast, I have to admit, I didn't know that you were from the South because I hail from oh, really? Vir- Virginia myself. Oh, wow. And I actually, I didn't connect with your, you know, a little bit of a Southern twang still. Uh-huh. I'm curious, why did you leave the South and go for the big city? What was the story there? Yeah, sure. You know, if my mom called right now, you would hear a Southern <laughs> accent, hardcore. Mm-hmm. Or if we had a bunch of drinks on there the table, mm-hmm. then it would come out uh, really profoundly, I would mm-hmm. imagine. So, you know, I, I grew up in Monroeville, Alabama, birthplace of Harper Lee. Okay. It's a little town's claim to fame. But I think, you know, when I was growing up there, there were maybe 3,000 people in the town, and it was small. And for whatever reason, I was always interested in bigger, you yeah. know. I'd watch TV as a kid and see these big cities and be compelled to visit them or, or know more about them or want to mm. be there. 
And so that was definitely a part of my journey is, is trying to find something that was uh, bigger, more exciting. Had you been to New York City before you made the decision to move to New York City? Before I moved there, I'd been there twice. So I went to school in Nashville. Um, and then my second year of college, I went to a journalism conference in New York City for a few days. Blew my mind. Loved every second of it. Had no sense of direction. In hindsight, now I can look back on where I was staying and what neighborhood I was in. But at mm. the time, just seemed incredible and magical. Do you know Bob Costas? Yeah. Sports announcer? Of course. So this is a long time ago. But we land the crew of journalists. I studied journalism in college, not as my major, but uh, we were on the paper, and that's why we were there. We land. We get a, I think it was a van to our hotel. And as soon as we check into the hotel, we go to a deli on the corner, and Bob Costas is standing inside the deli. No way. And we start a conversation with him, and we're like, hey, Bob Costas, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm looking for carrot cake. So he was having his driver take him from deli to deli to deli in Midtown Manhattan until he found the perfect carrot cake that he wanted to buy. That was my first moment in New York City and my first interaction. And I don't know, struck me as special. That's wild. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. I know Bob Costas uh, really just from the sports angle, Uh NBA basketball and things Uh like that. But that is a story for the ages, it seems like. Yeah. Well, you know, it it solidified this idea that New York City was a place where important people spent their time and where wild and random things would happen. Yeah. So you went to New York City, you became a teacher. Did you always know heading into that transition that that's what you wanted to do and that's where you were headed after school? Not in a deliberate sort of goal setting way. You know, I think one of the byproducts of growing up in a really small town is that often your world might feel a little small. So I wasn't thinking very big picture when I was a kid, even in high school and not even really in college. I moved to New York City for graduate school, studied writing there, mainly because I wanted to be in New York City and because I love writing. But I'd always work with younger kids. Even in high school, I'd like volunteer to help out younger kids. And the first thing I did when I got to college was sign up for junior achievement. Mm. And within two, I was 18, um, within two weeks of getting to school, I was put in fifth grade class in rural Nashville walked in, met the teacher. She left the room. I was there for an hour teaching these kids. I was like, what are you doing? I don't don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. But I loved every second of it. I thought it was great. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So how long did you do the teaching thing? I'll call it the teaching thing because I don't have a better better turn of phrase (laughs) right now. But how long did you do that in New York City? So 15 years. Wow. Uh, I was at the same school the whole time. I was a teacher at first and then I went into school leadership. So I was an administrator as well. My last couple of years there, I was working in the development office of that school, doing marketing, communications, community building for the school community. Mm. And that's around the same time that I was thinking about coming to Colorado Mm. and doing similar work to what I do now. And so you had this period where you were thinking about coming to Colorado. You You were somewhat thinking, maybe I'll transition away from teaching. You officially started, and I say officially started because I know that you were doing work well before then, but you officially started your creative shop in 2015. Sure. You were still back East. What prompted you to make that more official? Sure. I mean, it was Stanley Marketplace. It's a little project in Northwest Aurora. <laughs> I hope you've heard of. Yeah. You know, I started spending a lot of time in, in Denver in 2009 because my sister and her husband moved here. We're very close. I introduced them a really long time ago. Mm. And so I started coming to Denver and enjoying my visits. I wasn't really thinking about a career change at that point in time. 
But in late 2013, early 2014, my brother-in-law started working on what was at first a beer hall project. He wanted to open a little beer hall in the Stapleton neighborhood of Denver. And I was giving him some casual advice, you know, proofreading a business plan, talking about possibilities and ideas, just as a brother-in-law would, particularly one who happened to like food and restaurants there a lot. There you go. That helps. Yeah, yeah, it was a connection. And through a series of fortuitous events, that project turned into something bigger, which is now Stanley Marketplace. And as that was happening, I started helping out more and more. And, and at first it started as a joke. You know, Mark and my sister would be like, well, when you move here to help us open Stanley, and we'd be like, ha, 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 ha. Little, little did they know. Little did you know. Little I'm did sure. I know. Yeah. yeah. Even in, you know, early 2014, it didn't really cross my mind that that's something I'd be doing a year and a half later. So before we jump into the Stanley Marketplace story, because it's a great story, and, and for those not familiar with it, I think they're going to enjoy it. I'm curious about the difference between some terms we hear. So let's, let's, okay. let's pause for a minute and, sure. and define a few things. In the real estate space, there's market halls, there are food halls, there are marketplaces, so on and so forth. And I would say as the landscape evolves, there's more and there's twists on them. Are all of these kind of the same thing? Are there uh, specific attributes that we should note about each of them to listeners? Or how would you define that? Yeah, that's a great question and not an easily answered one. When I think about all those terms, I, yeah, I think a lot of them are, are indicating the same thing and, and different people might pick and choose which one sounds the best. You know, I grew up in the land of malls, not close to where I live. We drive for a mall, but in the mall was a food court. And that was a place where a bunch of small vendors would serve their food and there'd be communal tables in the middle. And that's what a lot of people think about when they think about food halls today. If we're getting a negative review on one of the food halls I work on, mm. they'll refer to us as a food court, right? Mm. Similar concept, but a little bit upgraded. So for me, I use the term food hall the most, which is a variety of food-focused vendors under one roof with communal space, often working on a collaborative goal. And, and to me, that's what Stanley Marketplace is in part. It's certainly what the other projects I'm working on would be defined as. Mm. But we use Market Hall every now and then. I hear Marketplace. Marketplace makes sense for Stanley because it's more than just food. That spot has 50 plus businesses under one roof um, working together collectively. But there's food, retail, fitness, health and beauty, a little bit of everything. Mm. I don't know if that clarified anything. That, no, that does <laughs> clarify it. So, so when we're talking <clears throat> about Marketplace, for the purposes of the Stanley Marketplace story, we are envisioning retail, various services, office space, um, obviously food as well. So that that clears it up, I think, for me. Mm-hmm. Great. So, okay, let's jump back in. You kicked off your creative shop right around the time Stanley was getting going. It was becoming mm-hmm. a reality. 2014, 2015, if I'm That's right. recalling correctly. Mm-hmm. So what's the story there? I know it starts with your brother-in-law. Yeah, I mean, it starts with my other brother-in-law a little bit, but I'll tell you, I... You know, I started teaching in, well, a really long time ago, <laughs> day myself. But as soon as I started teaching, I also had freelance writing gigs on the side. Those weren't formal, but I'd do three or four or five a year. And that sort of turned itself into a business just because it ended up being a notable part of my income. So I had this background of, of working on projects, at least a little bit. But when Stanley Marketplace started, I, I realized I needed to formalize things. Mm. Yeah. 
So what is the story about Stanley Marketplace in general? Paint the picture for listeners about what they might see when they approach. And if you don't mind, take that back a few years and tell us what it was like before sure. it is, uh, yeah. before it became what it is today. For sure. So late 2013, uh, a couple of neighbors in the Stapleton neighborhood of Denver decided they needed a place to hang out that was in the neighborhood fun, family-friendly, Colorado-focused, and not a giant chain restaurant. You know, for whatever reason, a lot of the spots in that neighborhood initially were the same kind of places you'd see in Kansas or Illinois or, you know, anywhere across the country. And, mm-hmm. and there was an interest and a need in something that was local and cool and fun. Mark, my brother-in-law, and a couple of his, his neighbors put together this plan to open a beer hall. Colorado-focused craft beer, food, family-friendly, just a neighborhood hangout. Mm. Wrote a business plan, got some chef support, started talking to neighbors and found that everybody they chatted with was really excited about this idea. Started looking for land in that neighborhood and we're having a hard time finding a spot. In the meantime, they started presenting this idea at community board meetings and neighborhood association gatherings of various kinds. And Without them really realizing it, the city of Aurora heard about this plan. And one day, Mark got a call from a retail specialist at the city of Aurora and said, hey, uh, here you're opening a beer hall or want to. We'd love to show you a building. At this point, Mark was looking for three, 4,000 square feet in Stapleton. These folks took him to Stanley Aviation, 140,000 square foot <laughs> abandoned building mm. on 22 and a half acres of land. 135,000 more square feet than he was yeah, exactly, anticipating. Exactly, mm. exactly. And his first reaction was, you know, what the hell am I going to do with this giant building? And, right. And, and, you know, you couldn't fit a beer hall here. I mean, you could. It'd be you, the, you could fit a few of them yeah, in there. You could yeah, fit apparently. A few of them. It'd be the biggest beer hall in the world. Mm. But at the same time, that building was really special. I mean, I remember the day Mark called me and told me he saw that place. I was in New York at the time and was like, well, we, we toured this building. And the more he talked about it, the wilder it seemed. Like, obviously, this is not going to work. You can't, you can't have a beer hall that big. But then is it like dot, dot, dot? Right? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> it's it not going to work, right? There was hesitation. And, and Mark is a visionary guy. And, and for a variety of reasons, he's... Uh, he's the kind of person who can sort of see things before they happen sometimes. And and um, he's a yes guy more than a no guy, which I think is important if you're an entrepreneur. Mm. And, you know, at first it was like, well, it's a big building, but what if we opened a, a beer hall and a coffee shop and a yoga studio in this one little corner of the building? And maybe we could just rent out the rest of it, right? Like maybe some sort of uh, at first, it was a film company. Maybe a film company will want to use this building because the city of Aurora had talked to a film company about it. And then it was like, well, maybe it could be just like office space, the rest. Everybody needs office space. And the more Mark talked to small business owners in that neighborhood, the more people who were like, yeah, that sounds kind of cool. Mm. Until he started believing that it could actually be a full-on spot full of small businesses. And as that idea evolved i know that you became more and more of a reality for that project and so how did they how did that group how did mark and his you know kind of small team start to pull you in to the greater picture there sure i mean i was still in new york at the time i was you know working on a few projects and i was in the development office of the school where i worked but i'd done work for a few different businesses involving 
manifestos, for lack of a better mm-hmm. term. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd help, I'd help the school where I worked, you know, rewrite their mission statement. I'd worked on two other projects where uh, a new business was trying to figure out its vision. And I sort of helped them with a copywriting piece of that. And so Mark was like, well, we need a vision statement of some kind. And we started chatting about that a lot. And, and that turned into a manifesto for Stanley Marketplace, which we call the Stanifesto. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it made sense. It worked. Yeah. And that was my first real contribution to the projects, putting that together and helping, helping articulate what the vision of the space would be. Mm-hmm. You know, all of us were coming to this project from various backgrounds not related to real estate development. You know, we right. hadn't done that before. So it was a lot of wishful thinking and making things up as we went along, in part because we didn't know any better. Mm. Tell me about, and, and I know this from your notes and you've, <clears throat> and you've told me the story, the pitch that Mark gave you, kind of the pros and cons of to come here or not to come here. That is the question. How did he approach that with you? Yeah. I mean, like I said, it started out as a joke at first. So we were just joking around and, and the more, you know, cause at first, Oh yeah, sure. We're going to take this old building and turn it into a giant marketplace with a bunch of businesses. Right. That's definitely going to happen. Mm. You know, that was our, our, our feel at the very beginning, but the more it seemed like something that feasibly would come to life, the more I was helping out. So summer of 2014, we finalized the Stanifesto, started sharing with business owners and Mark would report back to me about all the people who were interested in the project and signing on. And we knew that summer we were going to officially announce the project. So to get ready for that, we claimed a bunch of social media channels. And, and because that was work I'd done before for other groups and organizations, that was my role, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to handle Instagram and Facebook and Twitter for this business. And what was the timing to get on that? That was the summer of 20... That's summer of 2014. 14. And Mark signed up with a local PR agency as well to help figure out how to announce the project. Yeah. They were terrific. B public relations. They were, they were great. And they sort of said, all right, here's how you tell the press and get local attention, et cetera. And we had a lot of conversations about what the place would be called. We knew it would be called Stanley something because it had been Stanley Aviation, 1954 manufacturing facility that specialized in airplane ejection seats. Mm. So another reason that we couldn't say no to the project is because the history of the building was so cool. Yeah, so rich. Like, yeah, so rich. And and it had this beautiful, you know, neon 1950s sign with the Stanley logo still on the building. And it just made sense to take that and try to revitalize it. At one point, Stanley Aviation was the biggest employer in Aurora. And it was right by where the Stapleton Airport was. So people who grew up around here, particularly in the 50s and 60s and 70s, knew that building. People would drive to that building and park alongside it to watch the planes land and take off. Runway 26 is now 26th Avenue that runs through Stapleton. And and so many people were familiar with that place. But it had been sitting abandoned for a long time. So... Um, the more we learned about the history of the building, the more we realized it made a lot of sense to try to do something innovative and interesting in a place that had been so innovative and interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And and how was that transition for you moving from from New York City? You kind of officially made the move out here to Denver. Mm-hmm. What what sticks out memory wise for you during that time? I mean, it was a scary move. You know, I was right around the time this is happening. You know, I turned forty. So it's a sort of a moment where you're thinking about bigger picture of your life, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'd ended a significant relationship, which is another, you know, life change that makes you think about bigger picture things. My sister and Mark had 
two kids at that point. And so I was coming out here to spend a lot of time with them. I really wanted to be a great uncle. Um, and the Stanley project itself just seemed like something to be really powerful to work on. I wasn't excited to leave New York City because I still love that place. It feels like home to me. But I think you asked this earlier. The big deciding factor was this idea of like, okay, let's say you help out from afar occasionally and Stanley takes off and it becomes a big success, but you stay in New York City and continue down your path. How are you going to feel in 10 years if Stanley is a giant success and you're tangentially involved from afar a little bit? Are you going to always wonder what more you could have done? Are you going to regret not being more involved in that project? And on the flip side of that, you know, let's say you move to Denver, Colorado, and you work on the Stanley project really hard and you give up the security of your life. I should note that I lived in a rent stabilized apartment in Manhattan. That <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, you know, the kind of the kind of place you don't you don't really get very often. You know, it was a, it was a wonderful, wonderful, lucky draw in my life. So moving here wasn't easy in that regard. But, you know, the thought was, let's say you move here, you work really hard on this project and it all falls apart. Like it doesn't work. And there were a lot of reasons early on that it might not have worked. How would you feel in three years if you've left your whole life and you've, you know, used up all your savings and the project is a failure? And I thought, I can handle that. You know, I'll, I'll learn a lot of stuff. I'll be with my family. I'll have a new adventure behind me. And there's still room in my life to return to education if I want to or see where it takes me. So yeah. I got really comfortable with that idea yeah. of potential failure. Well, fast forward now, almost, yeah. almost a handful of years. Yeah. And Stanley Marketplace is, for all intents and purposes, known as an OG destination marketplace in Denver now. How does that feel? How does that resonate with you? Oh, it's so great, man. It's wild. I'm there most every day still. And we've been up and running for about two and a half years, fully open for less than that. But it's wild. Thousands of people go to that place every single day and, and have a great experience in one way or the other. There are 50 plus businesses there that weren't before. It's more than 500 new jobs that didn't exist before. We don't pause that often to actually think about sure, what's happened there, yeah. but there are certain moments where you just capture this feeling that uh, it's really special. Well, yeah. this is this should be one of those moments, right? Yeah, you're no, on a podcast absolutely. right now talking yeah, about totally. Stanley Marketplace. Yeah, it's wild. That was just a kind of a glimmer in your eyes yeah. just four or five years ago. That's really it's, cool. No, it's been amazing. We learned a lot. Definitely made some mistakes. Definitely would do some things a little bit differently, but it's a great group of small business owners. You know, probably the best part of that project for me personally was getting to know this community of local Colorado businesses. Every single business inside Stanley is a local small business here. Getting to know them, helping them tell their stories, helping them work together in a really collaborative way. Yeah. Yeah, it feels really good. Have you thought about what what even is Stanley Marketplace in three years, five years, 10 years? What? Oh man, I think about that all the time. Yeah. I mean, I'm more focused right now on 10 year and 20 year mark, right? I mean, I, I help plan things that happen there two months from now. So that's definitely a part of my daily life. But I like to imagine what that place is going to be like in 10 years, 20 years. You know, I think about everybody in the Metro Denver region knows what Cherry Creek Mall is, right? It, it's, it's everywhere. Everyone just knows what mm -hmm. it is. I want Stanley to be that way in 20 years, if not sooner. I want everybody in the metro region, all however many million people in the surrounding counties and cities of Colorado to just know, oh yeah, Stanley Marketplace. Yeah. Um, and we started that 
project with this idea of creating something like a cultural gathering place. So we're trying to do lots of really interesting things over there that are always going to be changing and different and exciting. And I'd love for people to visit Colorado and think, oh, we got to do these six things and Stanley be one of them. I like the term you use there, gathering places, because it's a great segue into what you're doing these days. Sure. So your original business was... I guess let's call it freelance. It then became Bryant Palmer Creative. That's right. Really and original name. <laughs> really original. I, we all we all do it. Yeah, We've all had fine. it. And then in 2017, the end of 2017, mm-hmm. I believe, you transitioned into Oh Hey Creative. That's right. So what is this shift in mindset? Sure. Well, when I first moved to Colorado in 2015, I was working primarily on Stanley Marketplace. Didn't have a clear plan for what I'd do beyond that. I knew there was a lot of work there. I still had a couple of clients in New York that I was doing projects with, but I wasn't thinking long-term at at that point. Um, As Stanley developed and we got it up and running and it worked, I realized I really loved the work and that there was a lot of exciting things happening around Colorado. Mark and his core team started working on some other projects and, and asked me to help with those. So I figured it was time to sort of formalize and be something a little more interesting than Bryant Palmer Creative. So changed the name to Oh Hey Creative and honed in on a pretty particular focus. Yeah. Let's talk about that. And and I want to do a really quick jump off here to a side road and okay. ask, where did the name Oh Hey Creative come oh, from? Oh, sure. Yeah, that grew out of Stanley Marketplace. Did it? So when we were first starting that project, we were trying to figure out what Stanley would be called. We knew Stanley would be part of the name, but we didn't know if it would be Stanley Market or Stanley Center or Stanley Marketplace. We eventually landed on Stanley Marketplace and then we started to, we had to claim the social handles. So Mm. Instagram, Facebook, et cetera. Stanley Marketplace was already taken. Stanley Market was taken. There's a, there's a pub in the UK that that's got the handle Stanley Marketplace. Of course there is. Yeah, of course there is. Mm -hmm. And then Stanley Market is in Hong Kong, a really well-known street market that's been around for a really long time. We knew we could get the name Stanley Marketplace, and we have that website URL. We we couldn't get that on Instagram, for example. And so we had to come up with something a little different that was still close to Stanley. And we wanted something casual, fun, approachable. And after a lot of brainstorming and chatting, we landed on Oh Hey Stanley. Huh. And that's sort of become one of, I mean, that's our Instagram handle. Right. Oh Hey Stanley and Facebook and Twitter, et cetera. And it's sort of part of the Stanley ethos. When I was putting together the kind of approach I would take with my business on other projects that really resonated. And Stanley's what launched, you know, my whole second career. Yeah. Let's talk about that second career. So how, how would you define that, that, that niche of markets or market halls or yeah. Yeah. How would you describe that? So Oh Hey Creative is a right now a boutique marketing agency and we focus on marketing and communications and community building primarily for food halls and other collaborative development projects so we're working on four different food halls right now helping them figure out their stories helping them tell those stories to other people Uh, we handle the digital marketing advertising basically everything they do to get the word out about those places Um, and then we work with a couple of small businesses that aren't food halls, but that are have some similar needs. Sure. What are the uh, what are the food hall projects that you're working on now? Sure. If so you can, we, yeah. If you can, if you can I, talk about, I them. can all four of these. <laughs> um, Stanley Marketplace, of course, and then uh, Broadway Market 
is at 950 Broadway in close to downtown Denver. That opened three months ago, almost three months ago today. No, three months ago tomorrow. So we handle the marketing communications and, and, and that sort of thing for Broadway Market. Great little spot. And then we're working on two right now that are slated for 2020 openings. One of them is the Golden Mill in Golden, Colorado. And the other is called Malcolm Yards Market, and that's in Minneapolis. Mm. So our first out-of-state project. Now, do all of these projects have something in common with like reusing space or <clears throat> a, a bigger story behind the, the landscape of yep. the building? Or is there a unique thread, I guess, with, with all of those? Yeah, there are a couple, I think. You're exactly right about the, the repurposed buildings. So all of those projects involved older building that had sort of outgrown its current use and all of them are community focused not to throw a phrase around that might be overused these days uh, but we really do approach these projects from this community aspect you know i think in part because of our various backgrounds that are a little non-traditional but we work really closely with the businesses that are going in there to build a sort of culture you know mm. you're not just a tenant signing a lease and saying okay i'm going to make tacos in this food hall or I'm going to, you know, I'll do the empanadas and you'll do the bar and you'll do the sandwiches or whatever. Mm. It's much more collaborative than that. Yeah. Um, that's a big part of the work that we do. So as we, as we begin the wrap up, and I, I feel like we could talk about this for another hour, just all about long. all the marketplaces. <laughs> I, I want to know a little bit about what makes you tick personally as a creative okay. person, a creative thinker, what, what's keeping you motivated? Like what gets you excited as you look ahead. Sure. You know, one of the reasons I was really excited to move to Denver had to do with the growth that the city is going through right now. You know, I think of myself as a New Yorker, and that's a place that is constantly changing and evolving, and I think that's really exciting. So being able to work in the food industry, especially with local chefs doing really interesting things, that's inspiring, like getting to know those people and getting to work with a lot of those small businesses. Mm. That's really inspiring. When I need a break from all that, I read. I love books and always have. I'm a bookish kind of guy. Book, a book buff. Yeah, a book buff, <laughs> if you will. Yeah. And I feel like I draw a lot of my inspiration from stories that other people have written. So I'm going to put you on the spot, though. Oh, do it. What What is the book that you recommend right now? What's, oh what's the book of the hour? Any, oh, that's tough. That's I a mean, really tough question. Well, the book of the hour is the book I just finished, right? So okay. um, Machines Like Me by Ian McEwen, just came out a few weeks ago. He was actually here in Denver. Tattered Cover brought him out. Okay. That place is a gem of a bookstore. It is. And got to hear him speak about that. It's a really interesting novel about, it sort of imagines that humans have created artificial intelligent humans, mm. artificially intelligent humans, and sort of what might go awry when that could happen. So hit us, hit the listeners with that title one more time. Uh, Machines Like Me. Machines Like Me. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go I ahead. I finished it last night. So it's fresh, okay, great. fresh in my brain. Fresh in your brain. Yeah, yeah we're going to put that in the show notes just so oh, people can nice. get to it quickly. Okay. Um, okay. Another another thing that you mentioned to me was theater. Yep. Tell, tell me how the theater connects. Oh, absolutely. Well, first of all, I had no idea how rich and diverse and fascinating the Denver theater scene is until I moved here. So I've been... Incredibly fortunate to do a couple of projects with Denver Center for the Performing Arts and in particularly their branch called Off Center, which is their more experiential, experimental branch. So we produced two shows at Stanley Marketplace. One of them was called Travelers of the Lost Dimension in the spring of 2017. 
And another one was an immersive theater musical called The Wild Party. We have an event space at Stanley called The Hangar at Stanley. They transformed that space into a 1920s Manhattan apartment. Wow. Performed a Broadway musical inside it where you'd be sitting on a sofa, I'd be in the kitchen, other people would be on a settee in the living room, and the performances happened all around us. No way. It was amazing. It was so great. I saw it seven times. (laughs) Yeah, it was wild. I mean, you know. I worked there, so I was there all the time. You were there, but yeah. It was so good. And there's a lot of really interesting things happening right now in the immersive theater world, especially in and around Denver and Colorado. I just saw recently, well, three different immersive shows in which, well, two of them were one-on-one. So it was a performer and me, Hmm. and that was the show. And that's really interesting and amazing and challenging and strange and really cool. Let's do one more plug here. Yeah, please. I know that I'm you have some. <laughs> I know that you have some history with Culture House. So, I do. So talk do. to me about how that connects with your creative ecosystem here. Yeah, for sure. My first friend in Denver with this woman named Castle Searcy. We worked together on a couple of projects when I was still in New York City and picked up some gigs via my brother-in-law Mark. Mm. Got to know her. Moved here, and she was my first friend. She was a member of Culture House and on the board, and sort of brought me in. So Culture House is a young professionals branch of the Denver Art Museum. I'm not that young, but it sort of fits. People in their 20s and 30s and uh, who are interested in art and arts experiences. So Culture House produces a whole bunch of events in support of the Denver Art Museum every year. It's been an incredible way to meet a whole bunch of local artists and get to know them and, and people who are interested in art. And it's, it's a wonderful organization. And, and I would say that's, I think, how we met we have a mutual friend, Noah, that's right. yeah, who, who that's was totally with right. the Culture House. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that's really cool. Yeah, so and it's funny. I love this about Denver so much. Mm. It's a really collaborative place. And even though it's a big city, it's small enough to, to make connections. Yeah. You know, when I, I lived in Manhattan for 20 years, and I have tons of friends who were there, but you didn't meet people as easily or as readily as you do here. Yeah. And, and I find that really exciting. So I want to ask one final question here. Please. Who else? That's a big question. Who else should we be paying attention to that you feel like is doing inspiring, groundbreaking, fantastic work that we perhaps have not touched on? Oh, sure. In cities in general. I mean, I might repeat myself a little bit. That's okay. Charlie Miller runs Off Center at DCPA. That guy's a creative genius. Um, I feel uh, honored to know him and to work with him. So he's on my list for sure. There's a bunch of really great artists around town that I, I think are worth following. I'm meeting on Thursday with this guy, Thomas Evans. He goes by Detour 303. He painted a mural at Stanley in the early days. Um, we, for a variety of reasons, realized we had to take down the wall where his mural was. So we figured out a way to save it mm. and where he's going to come see it. And That's check really it cool. out and see if he likes it. Oh, man. I, mean, I know. It's such a hard question. I know. It's so hard. It's so hard. Can I tell you one thing, though? Uh, one more. This is not a person, but it's a city. So Stanley Marketplace is technically located in Aurora, Colorado. We're on the border of Denver. Like the Denver-Aurora border runs through us. And I cannot say enough how forward-thinking the city was in terms of helping put Stanley Marketplace together. Mm. Now that I'm working on projects in a variety of municipalities around the country— it is even clearer how progressive and thoughtful the folks over there at the city of Aurora were in terms of helping bring Stanley to life. That's fantastic. Yeah. 
So Brent, thanks so much for joining me yeah, today. You're welcome. I, I would love it if you would tell the world, all the listeners, what you're up to and, and specifically where they can find you Absolutely. online. I know that you have quite a few things happening on, on I got the a web. Bunch, but I'll try to hone it down. Let's do it. Um, my company is Oh Hey Creative, and we're at O H H E Y Creative um, all over the internet. I work on Stanley Marketplace, which is at, at Oh Hey Stanley in Broadway Market, Denver which I think are also worth checking out. Um, the other thing right now I'm most excited about that involves me is we're bringing the Sistine Chapel to the hangar at Stanley this summer. It is a life-size museum quality reproduction of the Sistine Chapel. No way. Yeah, it's crazy. I can't believe I haven't talked about it sooner. <laughs> um, we just announced it last week, so it's pretty fresh. But we're transforming our event space into a Sistine Chapel. But you'll be able to see the works up close and personal, so from a few feet away without an Italian security guard yelling at you. There you go. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Well, let us, let's definitely have a link to that in the show notes, too, so yeah, people can check do. out the Sistine please Chapel. Do. I'm at BBP3. And yeah, uh, that's mostly it. That's fantastic. I can keep going, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have uh, a lot of great links here for the listeners. Brian, thanks again for joining me tonight. It's been fantastic yeah, talking with pleasure. you. my pleasure. Thank you very much. Nice chatting with you. Thank you. Transforming Cities is brought to you by Authentic Form and Function, the digital design and development team that just might be a perfect fit for your next urban project. If you're a new listener, you can follow along at authenticff.com slash transforming cities, or you can simply subscribe through your favorite apps, including iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Thanks for joining us.